Welcome to the Heroes of Reality podcast, a podcast about the game of life and the hero's journey we all experience. Let's jump in with our host, Dylan Watkins, as he introduces today's guest. Do you want to know how the NFT and the augmented world are colliding together inside the real world? Well, on this podcast, I have Jake Sally. He is an Emmy-nominated producer, public speaker, entertainment executive dedicated to building the pipeline vernacular and stories grounded in technology for audience worldwide. Jake is the CEO of Jadu, the definitive Web3 AR platform. The Mirrorverse is launching this year and is Jadu's world-scaled augmented reality game world pushing the boundaries of the metaverse utilizing by allowing the 3d nft avatars to navigate the physical world so without any further delay i'd like to welcome jake hey 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 thank you for having me (laughs) (laughs) i'm excited to get you on here man um uh you know looking at how these worlds are colliding right there seems to be a language thing that happened when facebook came out with meta and then all of a sudden said the metaverse is here. It seems like there's two camps. So there's the XR camp goes, ah, oh, the metaverse is all about experience and we're gonna build this wonderful experience. And then everyone in the crypto space is like, yes, the metaverse, decentralized DAO networks and oh my God, we're here, right? But we're not speaking the same language. I, I'm, I'm excited to talk with you because I believe you have a bit of an XR background that you're also bringing into the NFT background. So I'd love to learn a little bit about your history and journey that brought you up to this point. Totally. Um, yeah. And I think one thing that's interesting is like, I'm not coming at this from an, like, I have no engineering background, English major by trade. Um, you know, I came up in traditional Hollywood. So I was working at one of the larger talent agencies and worked at kind of Hasbro Studios, which does like Magic the Gathering, you know, Transformers, My Little Pony, all that. And what I was doing with most of my time was like working with uh, talents, so writers, directors, and helping them kind of like develop what their stories look and feel like and going through drafts and iterations. And, you know, while all this was happening, I am a big gamer, um, you know? So so I, I, I was kind of like looking at all my colleagues who were, you know, up their nights and weekends and they're like, I love film, I love television. I was like, I like film. I am a pretty big fan of TV, but there's nothing that has been my like night and weekend passion in this sense. and. You know, then I put on my first um, Oculus headset and that was kind of it for me. I went back to Hasbro, a raving lunatic. and was like, this is the future. This is everything I want. Like it clicked for me as you're like, this is what is driving me. And like kind of takes again a lot from like the things I love about video games, but is kind of like in these shorter bursts is like, you know, it would be, it's still very hard to do like a six hour VR session mm-hmm. in a way that, you know, I can go play um, a lot of other games <laughs> for an outrageous amount of time. And so that was kind of like my entry point. I, I basically I quit my job at Hasbro. I was like, I have to work full time in VR. There were probably three companies doing VR in all of Los Angeles. One of them was this company, Two Bit Circus, which um, at the time they're kind of like Imagineers for hire. So they had a you know crazy range of engineers that were doing basically everything you weren't supposed to do with VR. They were like, you know, yeah. for three early 360 video, it was like you want it stationary, and they're like, let's put it on like a Formula One car and like make that a VR experience, and like let's physically yeah. build the Formula One car replica that you sit in while you go through it. Um, and so that was like my trial by fire, and I spent probably like you know 15 months just asking engineers every single day a thousand questions. How does this work? Why does this work? What does this do? And I, my, my function there was really to, you know, take the stories that creatives wanted to tell and figure out how to wrap it up in a VR way that was like technically sound. Engineers loved it because I would always come in and be like, so like hypothetically, how would you do a heist um, in a skydiving VR experience? Love that thing. And you know, what was important was they never said it can't be done. And that as a foundation, I think has been one of the things that's really driven me is like, it really is like you can do just about anything right i've done projects where we like digitally recreated martin luther king photorealistically like all these different projects um and so i worked at tubit for a long time ultimately ended Mm -hmm. up working at riot um ryot which is verizon's content innovation arm and was spearheading all you know all of their immersive efforts kind of like looking at what are the ways we can tell stories like and we were you know my bio is like this idea of the vernacular is like what is a time ramp look like in virtual reality? What does a montage look like in virtual reality? All these things that are kind of like foundational ideas that have like existed in TV and film and really thinking, do these things translate to these new mediums? Yes or no. Um, And so over the course of 40 VR and AR projects, learned a lot, have worked with a lot of really interesting people. And, you know, I think 
have done a lot of firsts again and again that usually people are like yeah you, this is impossible it can't be done and you're like it can generally it usually can be done right and i, I really put two bit at the forefront of that and you know for me i love i love the artists because the artists are at the tip of the sphere when it comes to innovation they're doing it for the love of the game you know um in my three years doing those all those projects people would always come in and they'd pitch these like things that were clearly tv shows that like didn't get picked up in hollywood they're like maybe it's a vr thing will you pay me to do this you're like no it doesn't work like that <laughs> and like the big idea is like look no one's making yacht money in virtual reality, right? It's like, you might be making dinghy dollars, but you're in it because you love it. And you, what excites you is the unknown and the idea that, you know, you may have a problem that you Google, there's zero responses. Like that is the bleeding edge. It's like where there is no Google, <laughs> Google has no answers for you, uncharted territory. <laughs> um, and so all of that kind of led to a collaborator I worked with on like a lot of the augmented reality projects, um, Asa J Malik, who was really one of the first people using the HoloLens headset, the first HoloLens, for something other than enterprise use cases. And so he was designing these um, experiences that where you fundamentally, he was capturing people as holograms using volumetric technology, volumetric capture technology, creating these branching narratives that were powered by your voice. So you would actually ask a hologram a series of questions and they would respond. Um, and, you know, this was mind blowing stuff back in the day, you know, back in the day being like five years ago. Um, and so we started collaborating a lot. I loved how hard he pushed augmented reality. And, and because so many people were working in VR and like really all augmented reality was, was like these enterprise use cases, a lot of face filters, and then like occasionally sometimes people would do interesting things they take to film festivals. And Asa was incredibly thoughtful. So, you know, he started building Jadu, which is um, an augmented reality game platform in its earliest iterations. And we've been kind of like, taking it to the next level and digging into really like how does web three benefit become like a benefactor and like supercharge the goal of what we've been trying to do for a couple of years now. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, there's, a, there's a couple of uh, just, I just want to make some connections here. Um, when did you work at Hasbro? What years was that? Um, so this was probably 2014 to 16. Okay. So yeah. you were there when they came out with the Viewmaster. Yeah, so um, so that so Mattel came out with the Viewmaster, and that was one of my big. I was like, we like you're like, look, Mattel, a competitor is like they're already in. Yeah. We should definitely get in on it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's a great reference. I love that, and I still have one of those to this day. Yeah, I, yeah, the, the the crossover. I was I was working for a uh, toy innovation company back cool. then, and I was the the head of the VR department over there. And so I was actually the lead dev and building things out. And so we we had multiple meetings with like Hasbro, Mattel, those types of people, um, just talking about the innovations and things. And we were just trying to catch it, but like it was hard. It was old tech. I mean, it's not old tech. It was it was clunky tech, right? Yeah. And so it was very difficult to try to bring something in that was really viable um, at that point in time. Um, and uh, and I actually had connections with I had uh, Brent uh, Bushnell and yeah. Eric both yep. on the podcast too. So I've talked with them a little bit. It. Yeah. yeah, those are great, great, great guys. I met Brent at my first hackathon at USC mm, like a decade ago. And I just saw his crazy toy innovation. <laughs> you know, I, it was, it, I didn't understand the concept of Burning Man, you know, at the time. And then he's yeah. just got that, he's just got that vibe of like making <sighs> just wild, eclectic out there stuff, just having a good time. You oh, know. and they also, they had the best office I've ever worked like this massive kind of like, you know, cement type of factor where you're like, oh, like there's, you know, there's a real physicality to the stuff yeah. they were creating too, that I think is, you know, as we, like, as I think more about AR, it's like, it, it makes these things like the metaverse that are intangible, very tangible. And that I think is like what helps ground a lot of people's uh, mental models and like, what is this thing? It, it's, it can't be more, it has to be more than just like these pixels on the screen. And they've got that kind of let's build it, let's test it, let's play test it, let's break it, let's get people in front of it, let's try to destroy it. There is a uh, a fearlessness, you know, versus like a giant company or anybody else that they really want to say, let's, you know, you want to play something no one's ever played before? Come on in. Right? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that, that's that style, which is really cool, man. And it, and and it's a it's a great place to to, to get innovated innovations from. Um, yeah, augmented reality. Just want to touch on it, man. There's augmented reality is like the mature older brother of virtual reality 
in the sense of like it's enterprise use cases primarily. You use it pretty much for informational data transfers. You do it for either remote collaboration, data overlays. You do it for uh, that besides uh, making myself look sexy on Snapchat or you know, <laughs> TikTok. That's about the, 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 the gamut of it. So it's very, it's very rare that people can can innovate on augmented reality. It's a hard thing to, to make augmented reality fun or entertaining. Um, can you talk to me a little bit? Because I love the concept of design and story and driving that, having that drive into a space that is inherently not normally fun. Like augmented reality is generally not a, a like you don't play a lot of augmented reality games. Can you talk to me about kind of the process that you guys went through for bringing augmented reality into like the physical world and like, yeah. Um, so there's kind of like a logic train that mm -hmm. I think people have to follow. And like, a, I, I will say is like credit where credit's due. Um, you know, Snap has really given people a sense of like just the fundamental idea of, of augmented reality is just like, okay, I've got a, you know, there's a, there's a 3D asset that exists in real world space. That alone and people getting that, like when I was at 2Bit or Riot, like so much time was spent just like conceptually being like, you know, you know, this is what it is, right? Like we'd make 360 videos and like people would put the headset on and they just look straight ahead. And the moment that you like turn their body like this much, mind's blown. It's like, there's that same effect with augmented reality that I think Snap has done a really good job like crushing down that barrier where people, they get it. They understand like, oh, I can use my phone and manipulate like, you know, this digital layer that's on top of reality in a really powerful way. The the big constraint has always been, it's the playtime you're getting is like, everything is weaponized to be like basically less than 60 seconds which is not a game, right? That's like a short form experience, which is again, really fun as its own thing. So for us, you know, we've really been looking at this from the lens of like a couple pieces. Um, one is this like object oriented augmented reality. So rather than a face filter is like the objects that are in your in your space, three, you know, these AR objects, these 3D mm -hmm. pieces, they're really an interface for you to interact with the game world, you know? Um, We'll get into it later, but you know, one thing we make is um, like jetpacks, and this idea that like a jetpack, an AR jetpack, is fundamentally a application that allows you know the the character you're controlling, the avatar, to fly, and the relationship between these objects, whether it's like an avatar and a jetpack, you know, an avatar and a weapon, like all of these things matter, and then you so that's like layer one and two, which is just like long form and object-oriented augmented reality. And then the next layer of that is really context, right? And like, when I was at Riot, the biggest thing again is someone would come in that was pitching clearly a TV show or a short, or, you know, a YouTube series like didn't get picked up or whatever. The, the number one question was always, they'd be like, hey, this is a VR thing. And you'd be like, why is this a VR thing? What about it benefits from this medium specifically? And for us, I think what is so compelling about a augmented reality game is that the context in which you experience it and play matters and it matters a lot right you you know we're in the middle i'm going to go do some world building sessions after this with our team and one of the things we've been going back and forth on is you're like well you know we can like design the rules of this world but like this world coexists and is symbiotic with act you know players based reality so it has to be a system that like at least is reminiscent of reality. Otherwise it, it doesn't work, right? It's like, you can't have, <laughs> I don't know. You can't have like dark souls coexisting with like me in like the suburbs of Colorado. It's like those two things don't work together. So you, re you really like a big part of the design consideration is how do you think about a, a world and a place that really makes sense? Um, that is going to allow those things to exist simultaneously. And for us, it's like, again, you get into this as you're like, okay, if I have a jetpack and I have a character, you know, if I'm near a body of water, what type of experiences does that unlock? If I'm near, if I'm in a forest, what is that? If it's day or night, like how, how do all those different things impact? And that's what's most exciting because the player chooses the level that they're on simply by where they physically are in, in real world space. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what you're looking at and what we're talking about right now is Augmented reality is one type of technology. It's a mm -hmm. it's digitally overlaying a physical environment. So if we have a camera on, and then you see a you know a floating Tinkerbell go around the environment, that is an augmented reality. One thing that tends to blend together 
is geolocation gaming, right? Mm -hmm. So geocache location gaming, Pokemon, which people call augmented reality, but not really augmented reality. <laughs> it was really a geolocation game. Yeah. So, so you find ghastlies inside the cemetery, uh, which, by the way, they banned a lot of cemeteries from you know, uh, Pokemon people running around cemeteries using it to, um, you know, to protect the residents. Uh, and uh, if you, but if you look at, you're looking at geocached and you're looking mm -hmm. at augmented reality, that's a big, that's a big gigantic undertaking to look at all the geolocations and say that this is context dependent upon mm -hmm. how they affect the environment. So how are you, how are you going around? Like, what does it look like? Is there a, a structural way that you're able to actually go through and look at these different geolocations and, and feed up that data? Or are you trying to first, like, are you looking at maybe doing like a, a, a micro deployment location like hey we're gonna we're gonna focus on on la and it's just gonna be the la area to roll these things out what does that look like for you yeah um i think so for us it's like uh the functionality kind of will expand over time like one thing that's like happening live which again i love this part is augmented reality is changing super rapidly because the hardware constraints of what you're using, which for us is a phone, right? I think headsets are awesome, love it, made lots of AR headset based projects, but like the scale factor and like reaching people, right? We've, I, I'm saying this in like a super jaded producer way, but it's like done all the festivals, done all the museum installations, won all the awards, it's great. It fundamentally, why we did Jadu and aim for mobile is because AR was finally getting good enough that you could do something interesting on it. And we wanted to reach more people. And um, because with that comes, I think, some of the financial independence that we wanted to not be reliant on a Microsoft or a, you know, a Verizon for our funding sources that we could actually develop our own ecosystem and do it how we want to do it. Right. Um, so it's not fitting into like, a, you know, a big company's like marketing R&D budget is you're like, okay, we don't have to play that game anymore. And that honestly is like, that's been the best, like the last nine months have been the most rewarding for that reason is you're like, there is no like quarterly OKR for some big company that's driving our decision making of why this is a good story. We're doing it because it's the most interesting version of augmented reality. And so when we talk about, yeah, geocaching as part of it is like, I think there is, we're still like, it's still so early, right? And all the people, you know, in our audience and players that are interested, there's like this baseline of just like really, you know, relationships between objects. That's a whole, you know, like game season in its own right. So people can just fundamentally understand that. And I think as it expands out, you get wider and wider. We already have like a pretty international audience like all over the world so it, it's really difficult to do like location specific or like hey let's focus on la and we'll go from there it may start as something as simple as like day and night where you're like look it's still context dependent or weather i think it's like another really good one really fun one that like hasn't had uh too much done with it and then yes getting further and further down into you know, you can use something like Google Maps. We could do our own. So there's a lot of solutions out there that I think give you like a good baseline. And mm -hmm. as the technology expands and selfishly, as we build our uh, engineering team, we can get more and more and more specific to the point where, you know, Jadik, Jadu means magic in Urdu, which I love um, because it's this fundamental idea that, you know, what we're building, the technology has to fade away and it just has to be fun and magical. If it doesn't do that, you know, again, I've seen enough XR experiences where you're like, oh, this is a cool piece of tech. Like we've done, you know, crazy things that you're like, it is awesome, but why is someone gonna do it more than once? Right? Yeah. Why do people want to live in this world? And like what's the lore in the world building? I'm very we're like deep in world building mode right now <laughs> of That's like awesome. reasons like how do you build like a token, token scale world in AR? Like what does that look like? And when it when it isn't an escapist thing, right? Like that world is coming to you and is being interwoven with the fabric of your life, your real life, like this, you know, whatever is behind me right now. <laughs> um, so that I think it's like, you know, I'm a big, I like complex problems. And like, these are the most complex problems of our fucking, sorry, of our time. It's right. really, yeah, is this right? Like, what does a true augmented reality game look like? And not something that's designed to be 10 or 15 minutes, but something that's designed to be you know, I don't know, I was looking at uh, some, it's embarrassing. It's like, I almost have like a hundred days worth of Overwatch played, right? And you're like, that is so much time. Not like days, like 24 hours worth of days, a hundred of those. And you're like, you know, there's just something about that game. I love it. I've uninstalled it. I hate it. You know, I've, I've gone through ups and downs, but like, I always come back to it. 
And everyone has that game. Everyone has those games. They just like, they bleed for that game. And I think understanding how people get there with AR is like the technology, the interest, it's all collided in this moment in time where that's finally possible for the first time ever. And there'll be, you know, people will build on whatever we do in the future, but now is the time to help define it as a medium. And that's something that we've put a lot of energy into over the last five years of helping define what is an AR experience for a headset look like? And now what is a scaled mobile AR game look like? But yeah, isn't, uh, you know, Pokemon Go, which again, love it, big fan. It lets people understand it, but there's so much more that can be done with it. Yeah, and it's also, looking at that, I got a couple comments here. So one, the, the world building is super fascinating. Um, <laughs> I've, had, I've had a lot of authors on the podcast. Yeah. Um, and I'm always curious about the world building ways that they do that. How do you build these worlds? How do you, how do you create? Because there's a lot of uh, spinning plates. There's a lot of things to track when you're doing complex world building processes. Um, and I've heard a bunch of different strategies around that. Um, I want to first dive into the world building. And then we're kind of I want to break down a couple of these different things from the experience point point of view. But for you personally, can you talk to me a bit about your process of world building? Like, how do you is that? And the, technically speaking, is that on a whiteboard? Do you open up a, a yeah. what, what, what does it look like? How do you how do you go from mind to shared reality? Yeah. Um, so we have a, a truly incredible world building lead, Mac Boucher, who's kind of spearheading this like holistically. And I, I think what I love about Mac is his ability to, he is so well experienced. And I say that because it's, it's video games, it's books, it's movies, and like all of these things, again, no one's built an AR world scale game. So there's a lot of questions around like, where do we pull references from? And like, for me, coming from the VR AR side earlier on is you're like, you know, they're always where they're like, oh, like I'm a dancer, like here's how we should use like your like transportation mechanics and virtual reality. And I think his brain is able to synthesize all of that. A lot of it, we've definitely done whiteboarding sessions. I, I'm a diehard, diehard whiteboard user. Um, I think a lot of it has been us collectively going off, you know, here are the references, playing those games, whatever it is. Like I'm, I'm in the middle of playing Sable right now, which is, um, it's interesting. It's not like my favorite game, but you know, there's things to it. You're like, oh, like, I don't know if anyone's played Kentucky Route Zero, but I was just like, it's like, I think this is a really interesting reference too. Cause it, it's this kaleidoscopic view of different like gameplay styles, right? And you're like, it, it gives you so much context of like, it captures some of the mystery, you know? Um, so, there's a lot of different. What, you, you, no, well, there's a couple of things. <laughs> when I haven't played Kentucky, it, sound, it sounds oh, interesting. Dude, I, must play game. <laughs> yeah. What, what yeah. about it stands out to you? Like, what is the. It's almost like going. Um, it's almost like going to this weird interactive. I don't think museum is right, but it's almost like uh, it's almost like a Canterbury Tales, and that you're like there's so many different you know novellas within it, and like you, it explores a lot of different play styles and game types that kind of range from like little platformers to mystery things. And I, I think like it's unboxable as you're like, what genre would you even classify this game as? Like, no idea. It covers so much. And what I, what I think is nice too about it that I love is like, it's such a good representation of gaming over time because it took them like 10 years to make it. And so much has changed over that period of time, right? Um, and so this idea that you're like, you know, the capabilities of what were possible when they started it, are so like a decade of game design and changes have passed that like by the time you get to the end there are all these like little bits and pieces that um you know didn't exist back in the day and i and like for me i love that because i think that's where we are with augmented reality is you're like this the mirrorverse and the game world that we're building we're building this as a you know it's designed to be years and years and years of evolution and growth and what excites me about that is AR functionality is going to change so much in that time. And so designing a world rather than a game is important because infinite stories can exist in that world, right? As you're like, Dune, if Dune was a video game, it could be like an exploration game. It could be like a resource gathering game. Like our, you know, director of product was like, rightfully so. It was like, there's so, you know, it could be a fighting game. It could be open world. It could be all of these different things, but the world itself is so rich that it contains all of these things within it. And that's awesome. And so that's our job is to design that and be like, here's one of the stories. 
And so you talked a little bit about, you said you're a diehard whiteboard and I am too. I love, I, I, <laughs> I, think, I think on whiteboards, which is wonderful. Is that the process? Cause you said that uh, another gentleman, he's kind Mac. of, yeah. Mac, Mac, he was a, he was a person going through this. And, and so is, is, is his process as well? Is it, is it in his head? Is he right? Take down notes. And yeah. Back um, we, we use a lot of Figma. Um, I think we're a pretty design heavy company. I'm design uh -huh. illiterate. So um, this is, it allows me to seem like passably design <laughs> um, oriented. Said. Um, so yeah, we have very large Figma files <laughs> that cover again everything from kind of like aesthetic design of like what is the texture of the world all the way through to you know play styles into like what are um, you know how do we deliver on what is the wish fulfillment that we can give players right and like how how does it fit into how does this game fit into their life right and I yeah. think that um, was really interesting talking with some game designers recently is like that was an interesting kind of like approach and thing to think about. Cause again, we're pretty heads down on like mechanically, how do you build this? Like, you know, our company has grown uh, exponentially in the year that I've been here in a way that there's, you know, again, I wear the COO hat. I, I love to, you know, moonlight on the world building team, but so much of it is like, they're designing a world, I'm designing a, a group of world builders. <laughs> you're, you're playing the orchestra. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, and that's, that's awesome. When, you're looking at building this out. So if I was to describe them, I'm just using Pokemon Go as an example. Please. I'm hanging out at my house. I want I want something to do with my family, but I'm cheap and I don't want to spend the money. So I then take me and my, say, son, and then we go out and we go down the park and we go catch some Pokemon. We go look mm -hmm. around for Pokemon. I throw out a couple of balls. I catch them because I got to complete my set. I've got like one of three of the Pokemon characters. I want to get this set out. I know that I know that there's an alert for them over in this park. So I'm going to go over there and capture them. I go and throw some balls around with my son. We waste about a half an hour. We go get an ice cream. We come back home. Bada bing, bada boom. That's my day. Yeah. Right? So that's a pattern. I just described you a pattern, a use case, a real world use case from going from I have a need. I fulfilled that need by using the game, which is some time with my with my family. Can, do you are do you have clarity around how people are going to be using your application yet, or are you still kind of in discovery yeah. understanding mode? Uh, great question. I think yeah, it's two parts. Is like what's the game loop, um, which yeah. that is an open question. There's a lot of different types of game loops. I think the question is like again for me is like it back it gets back into the mental. It gets into the logic train, which is really is like what's the best way to introduce people to augmented reality? Like there's a game, there's like all sorts of game loops. And I, I think this maybe is a good time to start digging on like the NFT side of it, which is like, you know, um, the unspoken part of this, which is this is not only has no one built a world scale augmented reality game, no one has also built it as like really a web three native experience. And so I think the value proposition at an absolute baseline is crystal clear, which is people are investing re money into purchasing different NFTs. And the trend for NFTs is going from 2D, you know, pictures, profile pictures, what have you, into this, like where it gets way more interesting, which is when those profile pictures become 3d avatars and that was really the entry point for us because we were looking at the nft the evolution of nfts and we're like look we love this we're in it as um, individual collectors but there's nothing about this that is necessary for ar and you're like yeah i mean like one could take a jpeg and like put it on their wall using lidar and you're like it's an ar thing totally but you're like it's boring right and so you know getting back to the complex problems boring problem easy solution for us what we saw um, early on was the trend for these kind of like profile pictures and, and a lot a large number of NFTs is moving from 2D into 3D and the teams that are getting more and more involved in this are pretty 3D literate where they're delivering file types that one could use on a mobile device. That's interesting. And so there are all these people that are investing time and resources into building um, communities and collections that are designed to exist in like a couple spaces. One of them is like social media and that's just social media or discord, which doesn't really require uh, too much technically, right? It's like you just kind of use it, you copy paste it or you verify it with Twitter's new feature. Um, or you're, you know, people are building for like a computer based game, maybe a web browser based game or a VR game, all of which are awesome. And those are kind of like types of metaverse experiences no one when we were looking at it, no one's really building anything to, that allows you to take these nfts and characters from the metaverse and bring them into your reality and we we're like 
that's what we do. We're an AR company. We found our entry point. And so early on, you know, we went into this idea and the value proposition was super simple. If you, if you have this NFT of a 3D character, that 3D character, you know, through the Jadu app, you can have AR functionality, boom, with the click of a button, you connect your wallet, you bring it in. And that alone, people go ape shit for this, you know, in the best way possible. You're like, people love flexing. Be like, hey, here's my character. It's me next to them. I can still post that video and what's captured onto Twitter. We had a, we ran a competition. My favorite week of work ever was we ran a competition. We we're like, hey, we want you to, you know, make your own user-generated content around the theme of music. People made the sickest mini music videos of all time. I mean, these were like elaborate productions using the app where they take their characters and we we allow people to kind of like super easy avatar control system through your phone where you can run around, you can jump, you can crouch, you can emote. And people were doing like, you know, multi-avatar coordinated dance numbers, like with like, they've gone to a physical place with a waterfall in the background. You have one person like dressed up like their character and you have this like sick cutscene between the human and then them like snapping and becoming the avatar version of themselves. You're like, and this kind of like creative chaos that it unlocks is like for us a base level of like, no one ever has this control, right? It's always, you know, anything that is AR right now is so constrained where it's like, what you're supposed to do with it is really like, sit here for 30 seconds, make some faces and you're done. And there's like, again, there are edge cases, people do interesting things with AR face filters, but it's still a constrained sandbox. And what we've unlocked with just this basic version of the app right now, is creative chaos for people to do so much more. Like, I don't know if you ever saw Red vs. Blue, but like, to me is like, that's, yeah, um, that's the holy grail. You're like, oh, this like forge type, like sandbox is like, we can deliver that for AR. And the moment, you know, it becomes so personal when it's in your physical space, it becomes so real. And there's, you know, our CEO loves to say is like, there's this ghostly presence. If you close the app, you've seen your avatar in your room, that never leaves you for better or for worse, <laughs> you know, as you're like, it's there with you and there's a real permanence to it that is impossible to capture with a VR experience or a computer game or, you know, being on a Twitter spaces, which again, those are all fine. We love all of those. But again, as you can tell from the tenor of my voice, we're obsessed with augmented reality. <laughs> That's super fun, man. I, I, I dig it. I think there's a, there's a lot to it. it you know, what, what's coming to me is, is a couple of things is, yeah, I, I could imagine it being really good for like Halloween. Because you have ghosts mm -hmm. and characters and stuff like that, and there's a there's an incredible game. Have you ever heard of Phasmophobia? Phasmophobia? No, I, I don't think so. I'm gonna write that down. Oh, it's a it's a great and terrible game that you can play with your friends that blew up on Steam. Um, and what it is is you know those ghost shows that you watch on TV. Mm -hmm. um, that's like all these ghost shows, and you go to a house, or you go to a cemetery, or you go to an abandoned morgue, and you and, and they pull up in a truck. And they go and they set up their cameras and they go out their ghost equipment. And they, so there's a multiplayer game on Steam where you can do that on the PC or you can do it in the VR. And you go inside with all these different devices and you got to figure out what ghost it is. And there's very limited interactivity in there. But like the ghost can actually kill you in the game. And so you're yeah. in there with your friends and then weird things happen. Lights flicker. You hear the <laughs> sound. People start to creep on you. It is terrifying. I was doing it in VR and I was on the second floor and I lost my flashlight and then I was stuck and I didn't know how to go down and my friends all left. And I heard the ghost around me and it was <laughs> terrifying. It was so terrifying. Um, but I could imagine there actually being a really cool use case uh, with with doing that because using the phone, using that kind of thing, ghost detective, you could actually bring in ghostly mm -hmm. type of objects and things like that. It was just one of those thoughts that just um, entered my head as you were uh, describing uh, this music version of it. Uh, but so what I understand right now is, is you have a player base that currently does have access to the ability yeah. to make uh, basically web enabled, um, web enabled avatars and other, other characteristics that they can take, they can record, they can save, and they can share into an ecosystem. Right. Uh, so here, yeah. So the setup basically end-to-end uh, -end user experience right now. So in our discord, um, we have, a test flight build of the new version of the app that we're building, which is like, you know, again, Web3 and AR. There's a there's a public facing version of Jadu in the app store that is really around when we used to do a lot of hologram, volumetric holograms, which was we would capture people um, 
as holograms and you could put them in your space. And again, they were kind of like these, you know, incredibly realist, photorealistic um, video clips of people performing. We had Lil Nas X, all these interesting folks. And again, the, you know, what's great is like, that is, it's personal and that people love that artist, but it's not personal and that it doesn't, it's not a representation of them or their interest, you know, more. And so right now is like, if you go into the Jotty Discord, you can download the test flight link, you connect your uh, crypto wallet and you're able to basically, it will pull up a number of different avatars that are supported and you can bring those into AR as playable game characters. Um, right now it's very much open sandbox. We've been building different items. Like we were talking a little bit about this, of like we've been building jetpacks and hoverboards, which unlock different types of functionality. So you can cruise around in AR, you can fly in AR. Um, and people do basically, they screen record videos and then they post them to their social media um, place of choice right now. Yeah. So keep talking, <laughs> I'm, try, I'm trying to visualize this. And yeah. what I'm trying is, is so, do you, so you have a 3D avatar. So if I have my phone out, as I download the, the, the application or I'm using it, I have the ability to place an avatar in my physical environment. Mm -hmm. And then that physical, then that avatar, let's just say he gets a jetpack. So that means the avatar in front of me is flying around. And then you you have the ability to record the, that avatar. Because when you say you, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make the connection. You being you as a person or you being the avatar that you're seeing on the, on the application that you're creating. You as the holder of the phone, basically is, there's like a digital joystick on the phone that's just touch screen. So you, uh -huh. move, you manipulate the character's motions and there are a couple buttons you can see of like if it's going to run and jump and do these different things and then yeah we have like you have to you know your character has to physically go over and pick it up you have to grab the item which then you put it you know the character puts it on its back and now you've unlocked another layer of functionality which is you have the ability to fly around um which is like it seems very i mean i guess it sounds complicated it seems simple as you're like but there is just like, even the idea of like, hey, I can like, you know, you could set up an obstacle course and have your character flying around on your bed and in your room. And you know, again, AR is so good on mobile now. It's crazy. And you're like, oh, with the LiDAR enabled phone, you know, this character can be walking down a set of stairs. You can fly it through. Like I was setting up like a full on obstacle course and kind have of a ring light. And you're like, can I get it to fly through the ring light in here? And you're like, oh wow, it's like just big enough to do it. And if I miss it at all, like the character bumps and we have, you know, the falling animation it kind of like lands and does everything and like this is what is so crazy about where ar is headed is like it's really starting to hit that inflection point where context can matter finally right where it's not just have to place the object on a flat surf on a flat plane and you're like it's ar <laughs> um yeah so that's really interesting because I mean, we, well, you're right lidar like the ar kit and all these other technologies that are out there right now it, it makes using ar it gets better quicker faster and then that the ability for it to interact with the environments is awesome and i could i could see uh, so you can unlock these different nfts these nfts are actual 3d objects that are like the hoverboard or the jetpack or these other other elements that then enable your avatar to be able to do cool things and then those avatars because a lot of nft of revolves around status it revolves around look how awesome my thing is <laughs> yeah, yeah. or picture photo whatever it might be so then the status that they really get is by sharing that content within your community or where's the um, no i mean these these things can be posted on twitter instagram is like we again for us and like the whole idea of web3 is you're like it has to be interoperable it's like we don't have like we're not trying to like you don't have to make a user profile we don't need any data from you like none of that stuff matters to us and again this is why it's awesome is you're like snap these other big platforms they're stuck they have no business model other than you know consumer as the product and we don't need i think it's again nothing is more validating than being like you know what data do we need whatever you want to give us in terms of like where are you for context of the type of ar experience what's the what are you know the time of day the weather these things start to impact it but you know we don't need to, there's no data we want to sell to anyone. It's like, we're here to deliver dope, dope games, the end. Um, and you know, where our uh, revenue comes from primarily right now is like, we sell these NFTs. And again, people can sell them on the secondary market, do whatever they want with them. We don't need the player as a product. And that is awesome. I love yeah. that part of it. Yeah, and that's the thing is we got so accustomed the, the global we uh, to like free applications, uh, free Facebook, free YouTube, free Google. And, and what people understand is that when something's free, that means generally you're the product, right? <laughs> yeah. The product. 
So you have that. That's the piece. Um, and, and that's great. And, that, and you're right. Working with gigantic companies where you have to hit OKRs, you got to hit or you're just you're trying to pull out of some, you know, DevOps budget that you can say, oh, hey, I've got this. Hey, let's, let's, yeah. it's the end of the year. let's get some extra money out of them. Totally. Right? I, I, so I, I I get that game. That's not fun at all. So then talk to me about the because it, it is empowering when you can say, hey, it's just me and my consumer and I just got to make them happy and do cool things with them. And they buy more of my stuff, and then you have a beautiful ecosystem um, going back and forth with that, right? Have you? What have you seen that is that is being requested by the users to be able to use it? Like, what what right now is something that they're that a lot of people are asking for? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people want uh, two things: one, support for support for Android, which we uh, we're working on Android for. <laughs> you know, I think is like uh on the uh, as developers you're like it's just a much wider ecosystem of devices which for ars you know we're very it there's nothing worse than a bad ar experience so for us we're like let's start small our team's growing now we can expand the range the other part is support for a number of different crypto wallets so we support metamask right now and there there are there are more and more people want hardware wallet support which is like tough because you're like it's really hard to connect a hardware wallet to your phone to then like, you know, you can't, it's, I don't know how one would be out in the world exploring with a hardware wallet, like in their pocket connected to their phone somehow. So there are definitely some things we're working on. I think the biggest thing is I mean, we've been, we're always traditionally, um, you know, we like to play things close to the chest until they're ready. We're very big on the measure twice, cut once type approach. And so people want a lot more information about what is the mirrorverse going to look like, um, which they will be, you know, people will be getting that more and more as the as the, kind of the months go on this year. This is the year that it's launching. So we're really excited about that. Yeah. Uh, uh, people that aren't developers don't understand when they say, oh, just make it work on Android. It's, <laughs> there's... There's so many different phones and so many, like, there's Apple, which is one company, one technology, one thing, one system, which sometimes is annoying to get deployed on. Uh, but the Android is a range of devices. And someone's like, my phone doesn't work. Well, why does it work? Well, I got it in 2012. Well, we don't support the 2012 model yeah. of your Android, you know, Nokia, Blackberry or whatever you got. Um, so, yeah. so I, I, I totally get that in terms of the, in terms of the rollout. Um, I want to talk about this thing that we we mentioned earlier is is there is a general hatred of nfts in the gaming world right yeah and so, so so gamers hate the nfts um and and you're making games right um in this yeah. space can you talk to me about that experience what you've had backlash thoughts around that yeah. Oh man, we posted a job description. We posted it. We were like, "Hey, we're we're growing our team. Like people that are interested in AR, like people that game are probably interested in AR. We'd love to. We want to reach these communities and start bringing on that expertise." And we got eviscerated <laughs> on a, <laughs> on like a gaming Discord. And you're like, I mean, yeah. You know, even if you don't personalize, like we're yeah, you know, we want to just bring on interesting and fun people. Um, but yeah. So I mean, like what. Uh, some of the core considerations, like if I were in the gaming space, I would probably also be annoyed with this because it's it's a buzzword that some often doesn't mean anything. And there's a lot of you know people feel strongly that portions of the NFT world are scams. Which look, no one's gonna you know I'm not gonna get up here and say that scammers do not exist, but scammers exist in plenty of spaces. Um, that's something that, look, the entire NFT community, crypto community at large is aware of and is like actively working daily to fix. But on the flip side, it's like there are no more welcoming and happy and loving people than crypto people and NFT folks. Um, and again, no one loves hearing those, you know, hates just, you know, the idea of like crypto bro culture getting like bludgeoned over the head with some of these terms is like, that is annoying. Um, and, you know, I think the thing that like what keeps me up at night the most presently is it is a complex problem, which is, okay, so we have a game world and one of the biggest um, arguments against the idea of like crypto gaming is like, A is like, crypto is not like a genre of gaming, totally fair, it's not. As you're like, you know, there's like, mm -hmm. you know, MMO, RPG, like there's plenty of different game types, but like crypto is not a game type, like at all. <laughs> um, and so one of the things is by having there be a financial, value tied to a lot of the experiences or like assets within the world that 
it fundamentally decouples or casts a shadow over the core of what gaming at its essence is supposed to be, which is fun. And that is a, that is such a legit, reasonable constraint and kind of like concern, which is, can I have fun playing this when every single thing, you know, when many of the items or pieces of the world of the game that I'm exploring, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm like, there's a dollar sign, there's a dollar sign, there, there's a dollar sign. That's a fair question. And, you know, our job is to figure out what is a design, what is a way to design an experience where that can exist. Um, we've been geeking out about, um, I don't know, like World of Warcraft, you have like soulbound items, like items that are fundamentally tied to you, the player that can't be sold or trade or buzz, like, love that idea. Like, what does something like that look like in the world of um, a game that is tied around NFTs? Where you're like, there are definitely things that you can sell, which like, I like that idea. Again, I put almost 100 days into Overwatch. If there was, if I could pay for part of my wedding with that somehow, I was like, that's awesome. I like that idea, you know, but again, it can't overshadow the core, which is like, even if I was making whatever playing Overwatch is like, I play Overwatch because I love the game and hate yeah. the game simultaneously, <laughs> you know? And that's the case with most games. And like the moment that's taken away, we failed, right? And so it's a complicated system, but I think it's a it's a really fun problem to try and tackle because lots of people like playing games. What if you could play games for your job? <laughs> you know, what if you can make a living off of doing that? And like the, the flip side of that is like, you know, on one extreme, the, the other extreme is like, well, you don't want it to be something that is so tied to financing that like the best version of the game where you make the most money is a grind mechanic. And that's, I think, the problem that a lot of current uh, play to earn gaming faces is you're like, it's a game in the sense that you tap buttons on a screen, but it's not a game in the sense that like no one would play this for fun. Like it's not like we can all agree is like this is not a fun game. It just happens to get you. Um, some you know financial liquidity which again is its own you know some people like that it's not what i as a gamer want to do but that's kind of like you know so this is these are all like the design considerations like ripping through our brains right yeah now. and that's the challenge is that there's two things going on here uh, a, a professional is someone who uh you know does what they love to do even though even though they don't love to do it right so like they're they're so you you love it but you have to keep going even though you don't love it right and that's kind of when you take your fun and you turn it into work you kind of lose that fun, which is a uh, uh, terrible. All right, can be. And so, when you're talking about play to earn, right, which is the term play to earn, um, how is your game, um, how is your experience a play to earn? Yeah. Um, so I can't get into that yet, um, but I would say like traditionally, a lot of play. And if you're super familiar with the play to earn side of things, it's like you know, a lot of times it's just like it's this. You, there's some core game loop mechanic where like you're going to gather this resource and you can buy this thing. And that thing has a speculator's market, which it can be sold on for X amount of money, depending on rarity and all these other factors. And you're like, again, that's a totally fine, reasonable game. It's just not like a very interesting one. Right? It's like, mm -hmm. if I wouldn't spend my time doing it, like I'm, I'm the oldest of like 19, uh, you know, siblings and cousins. And you're like, I, yeah, you know, like a good metric for me is like when I was in VR and like really hardcore into it, every Christmas I'd come home with like the newest VR headset and I just like watch them all use it. And then like, you know, the first couple of years, none of them use it. Like this sucks. I don't want anything to do with it. And by like, you know, the quest is you're like, okay, people are really into this. People are spending time in this. This is interesting. And so like, you have this really interesting, and again, it spawns, spans like, you know, 30 years of uh, siblings and cousins and everything. So you get a nice spread to it. Um, and like, I knew AR, and VR, we're gonna make it when like my fiance's dad, who's like pushing 70, he was in the Vader Immortal experience for like three hours. And I was like, it's over, it's over. Like we're here, we've made it. <laughs> um, it's crossed that chasm, right? Totally, yeah. yeah. Um, but so, I mean, look, some of the things we think about, right? And mm -hmm. like, these are not set in stone is like, this idea that again, how do you reward adventure is like, we want people, we like the idea of people getting out of the, the house. Again, why AR is like, you can, if I want to sit here and play a video, like I can play most games in my house. That's where I would say probably 95% of people play most of their games, unless they're like in line at a grocery store. Why AR? Why AR? Because the, again, the context matters and how do we reward people? For getting out of the house and exploring that's an interesting mechanic for us right and like how can that be rewarding instead of hit this button five thousand times <laughs> you 
you know, and yeah. just like have your character, you know, do its Farmville thing. It's like, again, it's a totally like it's a it's a game, but it's not like you know, microtransactions are the death of like the last iteration of gaming. I think free to you know, play to earn has that potential. It's like it's there's such valid concerns of like why if I'm a gamer and you're like, you know, I grew up on Warcraft and you're like, those worlds are so rich. That lore is so, you know, interesting. And you're like, I just bought Reforged and it's like, look, I haven't played this game in like 15 years. And you're like, I paid another $60 to just play a graphically updated version that's like not even materially better. But you're like, because the game itself was fun. That's why I, that's why people play it. And like, that's the kind of permanence we're going for with this that people should really it should be again what's how can this game have its own ghostly presence right mm -hmm. yeah i mean and that's the challenge to it is how do you make a, a game well there's two elements of it one how do you how do you make uh grind jobs right play to earn games fun that's one gigantic thing the other one is how do you stop people from basically hacking the system where you've got you know a hundred thousand bots that are spun up overnight yep. That are simply just grind tasking what you have spoofing geolocations and doing everything else well the, um, the beauty of ar is you're like how does like who's making a bot that can do an ar game experience like how would i you know, again it's like i'm sure someone will somehow figure it out but you're do like do not challenge the hacking culture honestly you know what I'm like, I'll, I'll put yeah. that flag up it's like bring the noise and like that was one of the best things for our when we did the hoverboard um uh -huh. NFT drop that we did is like people were, you know, we had like Lewis Hamilton, Grimes, like all these people collaborating with us on them and people were going nuts for this and really wanted these hoverboards. And we we're like, okay, like the normal way that people get access to like be on the allow list to like purchase one of these things is like most discords are like, oh, like come in our discord and like you just like spend time here and maybe you'll get a spot. And we were like, we don't want to do that. What we want to do is we want to actually design an augmented reality game that we're going to do like multiple times a day for the course of like two days. And if people complete the game, then they get an allow spot and then they've unlocked the ability. Cause we're like, look, we want to reward people that care about doing the AR game. We don't want to reward people that just want to like swoop in, buy a hoverboard, flip it on the market and make some money. And this was the perfect way to filter that out is you're just like, Oh, great. And you know, it, it went, it was crazy. It was the craziest two days of the year of like, because it was the first time we'd ever done like a like a um, you know architected experience rather than just like hey use your avatar like here's some AR functionality use it. it was like here's a game you can play right and it was a, still like a pretty straightforward game where you're putting um, balls into certain holes but it's like opening up a portal in your wall to create that and people's heads exploded in the best way possible and you're like that is the magic to deliver and that type of experience that can filter out you know, prospectors and people that don't actually care about the game world. That's really interesting to us. And again, so these are, again, these are, these are just inputs in our brains that are like in this blend daily blender of like, what's going to be the best way to do it. Cause there's 50 versions of this that all work, but like, what's the best one of them? <laughs> yeah. It, those are some serious things to consider. And it's, it's one of those things that the, the, the challenge with making a game or uh, augment expander, any of those elements is that you can do anything. You can totally. literally do anything. You can make the world, you can make it as been it. And especially going to do a world size, a literal world size game. You basically, the, the challenge is, is, is creativity comes with constraints, right? Yes. And without any constraints, right? You're, you're just going to basically make an unlimited thing, right? That's going to, and, and, and the, the best games are elegant, right? Beat Saber, elegant right uh, pokemon go it's it still the all-time og i do yeah, i feel like i still think super hot is like the greatest vr game of all times you're like it's so smart and so simple and simple. so good <laughs> elegant, elegant right yeah. and it's elegant and that's why like for me i could i can describe to you pokemon go in one i went what it was a paragraph i just described it this yeah. is my day this is how i use it this is what it is this is what i got boom i'm done Right. And that's the thing on like if you can if you can communicate that back to people, that's a, that's a challenge. Right. If people look at it like, oh, it's so how long it took them Pokemon Go people, Niantic to get down to that. I have no idea. And I and I but being someone who actually builds the games and experiences, I appreciate the fact that is it's eloquent. Right. And so, yeah, and so that's the thing is like refining these things, these things down to a point, which is which is which is a, a challenge um real quick side tangent i just want to curious what do you believe your superpower is for you personally what is your superpower? yeah um also if you if you want to have you ever played florence on mobile 
No. Oh, dude. Really? Florence, I mean, I cried playing so good. <laughs> I have a, I'm a sucker for uh, love stories that tend to transcend space and time. You're just like, it's it's a real, it's also like a two hour play, but I, if you haven't played that, definitely play Florence. All right, it's on my, it's on my list. Florence, yeah. um, got it. So my superpower, um, again, is like, I'm not an engineer, right? It's like, I, I get to fill the, like, the funny role of, traditionally is like most of my, as my career has been as a producer, which is this like super intangible, thing is like there are financial producers, there are creative producers, there are like production oriented producers, technical producers. Um, and I tend to sit in the like, it's really you annoying, know, like the intersection of all of those is like my superpower is traditionally making really, really good lists. <laughs> and being like, you know, because like a complex problem, like all of these are complex problems, right? And like, how do you even fundamentally break this down into a way that like it can be tackled? And I think that's, it can create paralysis in a lot of people or um, it can be directionless for a lot of other people. And like when I came on for Jadu as COO, my entire approach to this has been, this is just me as a producer producing a project, but the project is a company. And so the project never ends. And like, that's a really, I think it's been a good design framework for myself. And for all of these things, there's so many pieces involved. And why I love whiteboarding is because you get to see all the pieces visually and I'm a super visual learner and my audio retention is awful. <laughs> so it's like to be able to see them all and like move them around and see is like, okay, what is like the order of operations? Like that is uh, unfortunately like very re like rewarding and fulfilling. For me. <laughs> and it, it helps like people um, get to focus on what they're good at. Right. And like yeah. I, my, my number one job is like always to like, save people time from all the bullshit and like if they can just focus on doing what they're brought in to do is like we have awesome game designers and you know game developers all of these people that are like world class and like what i hated about working at big companies is so much time which is compliance exercises and just like nonsense like due diligence on things you're like here's a report about the things i did and like here's another version of the same report of the things i did versus just like doing the things right and all of that slows down your ability to be effective in what is like a pure you know this space like web3 and ar space together are just nuclear and they're moving at this warp speed i've never seen before and this was like even the last five years of xr which was accelerating like crazy fast right you know like facebook reality labs is like burning through like 200 billion dollars and you're just like Nuts. okay like you're seeing i mean you're seeing the the output is real which is you're like okay we've gone through like what should have been 50 iterations of VR headsets in like three years, you know? Um, and I think that, so for me, yes, the superpower is list building and getting people aligned to like, just do what they love doing, which is great. It's very rewarding. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's a, it's very discounted and underappreciated because a lot of people think like, oh, I got it in my head. I know what I need to do. Mm. Like, especially working in teams, like getting things <laughs> out of heads on the paper, organizing like data, complex data into simple lists and things to break down is a masterly critical skill that is underrated. I, I know this because for me, like I, I, well, I have to do, I have to communicate a lot to my team and what we need to do and that kind of stuff. And so breaking stuff down on paper and go, do you agree with this? Great. Start at the top, work your way down. It is so hard because so many people like you could boil the ocean, right? And then, and, but you need to be totally. able to actually one step at a time. So I, 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 it's, if you're not in this, if you've never had to work with a team of people to execute a complex problem and take it one <laughs> bite at a time, you don't appreciate the power of list, but I, I live and die by Trello. That's our, that's our game. And yeah. it's not the, mm -hmm. there's a bunch of other ones out there you can use, uh, but like, I need it. Like I need lists. I need it. So, uh, I, I appreciate that. Um, uh, with you and with your company that you, you work with, um, what is what is your holy grail? Like, what is your flag in the sand? Climb atop the mountain. Oh my God, we've done it. Um, it's a it's not my favorite metric, but I think when when Jadu when not if when Jadu is a billion dollar company is like that to me is like we've made it as like a standalone. AR company, right? And I think is like there's a inflection point where it goes from because again, like Magic Leap was like crushing pretty hard up there. Again, they're a hardware company, so it gets different. But I really think you know I know we can do it. Like there's this kind of again enough years in VR and AR to be like I've seen a lot of iterations. Mm. This is 
hands down the collision of so many forces at play that make some of this stuff possible. But I think um, as Jadu attains that, and I think when people can really have, again, Jadu in their lives on a daily basis in a way that you're like, look, it should be synonymous with magic. And like when people can get magic back into their day, and again, this is things that like Pokemon is trying to do. It's just like, again, it's not designed from the floor up as an AR experience, right? It's designed to be, it's like most people turn off the AR feature on Pokemon Go because they're like, this is annoying and I don't like it. (laughs) You know, I want to catch Pokemon faster. And like, I think there's so much untapped potential for AR and people are used to looking at the world of AR through this keyhole when our job is to kick this door open and be like, this is what AR is, right? Um, so I'm really looking forward to it. And honestly, it's been, we've been <laughs> growing so aggressively. Like I, the trajectory is amazing. And it's been cool. It's like, there's nothing I love more than like, we're starting a speaker series right this month of like, with all these incredible XR directors and, you know, Tony Parisi from Unity and different folks where it's like, yeah, yeah, that like, can we really care deeply about educating people about what is AR? Like, really, like historically, what has it been? Why is now an important time? What it like? What is lidar? Like, why is that an interesting thing? What does that enable for you as a player to do that you couldn't do before? Um, so yeah, <laughs> that's cool, brother. I have billion dollar company, and that was that was the 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 hope of the um of the yeah. Uh, what was the name of them again? Um, Magic Leap. Yeah. 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 Ooh, forgot them already. Again, yeah. Great, great product. Really well, loved it. Love their ethos. Like, I, you know, great, again, people. Great, people, great marketing videos. Great marketing great videos. Their actual technology sucked. I mean, it was a, you know, it was a giant thing that you'd roll around on a system, right? It was, it, they I, never. The puck they, never bothers me. It's like, it's the same value proposition for me as like <sighs> VR, where you're like, okay, $300. You know, robot squid I put on my face for in- infinite virtual worlds, like great trade off. Like, puck I keep in my pocket for, you know, pretty complex AR, like, I'm here for it. I, and I know people feel otherwise. It's like, for me, I'm like, it just doesn't bother me. And like, maybe it's, I don't know, like, I wear jeans with like pockets that hold something like that. Like, it doesn't, like, <laughs> there's no it just, concern. It just goes with it. Well, okay, okay. So that was, the, that was their kryptonite for, um, for you, for, for reaching the billion dollar uh, AR. Uh, company, what do you think is your dragon? What is the thing that is so difficult to seemingly overcome that you don't know if you're going to be able to do it? Um, I think it's, uh, I think making, I think really finding is like what I, you know, I think people that experience Jado on a daily basis, I think there's probably like a Venn diagram of people that play video games and like traditional gamers. But I think there is this kind of like, there's going to be this emergent type of player that is very different than what we've seen before. And like, I think finding that, finding them, finding our tribe that like really gets it. Right. Cause like, again, as someone who loves VR, loves beat savers, like plenty of gamers, like I would never in a thousand years do that thing. I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. And you're like, I really struggle to relate with you on that. Um, it's like, I think it'll be the same thing with this, yeah. which is like, it's not going to be for everyone, but I think it's going to, you know, our job is to make it for everyone. And that I think really understanding how does this particular version of a company scale too, as you're like, you know, it's one thing to like our, our market and a lot of our players is like, it's this space and the market is growing so crazy fast that it, it will continue to change. But like, it's very different to be like, oh, like we have like, you know, 400 million people playing this is like, that's a lot of people. That's like a very complex, very rich world. Um, so again, they're dragons. Like every day we have more nights of the round table work, you know, ready to slay this dragon. Like every single day we hired seven people last week. Cause you're like, that's awesome. it's yeah. So I feel actually very confident about it it's just like um you know the education honestly probably the education which is like how do we explain to people concretely and succinctly elegantly what what the value proposition is of ar and why they should do it makes a ton of sense yeah and that's i mean that's that a lot of piece especially when new technology is the educational piece is like getting them like this is what this is right and Mm -hmm. and uh yeah it makes it uh, a ton of sense uh so with all of this being said 
Um, it's been it's been super fun to go with you back and forth in this journey. It's, it's very rare to come across someone who has a lot of, especially you know, in Brent and being a part of Two Bit and has and yeah. has for Mattel, all that fun, like all those places. It's a very it's a very interesting path that you've been on to get to where you are. And so you can see that you see the value of both sides of the fence, which is really really cool. Um, with all of this being said, is there anything else you'd like to let people know about before you tell them how to get a hold of you? Um, I think people should, uh, maybe I can send you a link after this is like, people yeah, should check cool. out our discord. I think I really like, you know, community was totally the buzzword of 2022 in the like crypto space, but like, I've been so impressed, uh, by our community. It's like, it's very, everyone's super helpful. Everyone is really oriented towards learning. And like, it, it feels like you have a group of like your new friends that are kind of going out on this, like this unknown path of like, what is an AR game world going to be? Um, and so, so much of that takes place inside of our discord. And then I think if you're interested in what we're up to, you can always check out um, the NFTs that we make. Um, we've got kind of like the Jadu hoverboards and the Jadu jetpacks, uh, which are both, uh, again, they're giving different metaverse avatars the ability to fly and cruise in a way that is like, again, I think a lot of people make NFTs that are like, hey, here's like a sneaker. And you're like, it's a thing for sure. But you're like, it's just not the most interesting thing, right? If you're like, if yeah. we're going to make infinite AR worlds, why are we making sneakers? I can buy sneakers in reality. I can't buy a jetpack in reality. I can't fly. So like all of those things, again, for us are just like, they matter a lot. Check them out. Um, I'll send you some links too, so people can see. Send me a link. Uh, what I'll do is in the show notes when this when the show goes live. Um, anybody yeah. that goes to the Heroes Reality website and clicks on your episode page, uh, we'll have a link for your Discord in there, so people can join. Amazing. <laughs> Beautiful, uh, Jake. Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming to the show. I appreciate your time. Uh, it's been great, and uh, thank you so much. I will see you on the other side. All right. Have a good one. Two. Take it now. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Heroes of Reality podcast. Check out heroesofreality.com for more episodes. While you're there, you can also take the Heroes quiz to find out what kind of hero you are. Or if you have a great story and want to be on the podcast, tell us why your hero's journey will inspire others. Thank you for listening. See you on the other side.